Hello and welcome to another special. And on this one, we're going to be talking sequels, reboots and remakes. Let's start with sequels. The death or saviour of modern cinema. Just what is a sequel anyway? I mean, sequels? Seems that last summer's movie season just couldn't survive without them. In 2019, we had more Avengers, another John Wick, Godzilla back again, pets continuing to be secret, X-Men yet again, the return of the Toy Story crowd, yet more Annabelle, and the further helping of the men in black. Hang on, Jeff. That last one could be argued as a reboot or a sequel, depending on how you look at it. Welcome to the show, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) You are absolutely correct. And these days, it's getting hard to tell the difference between a sequel, a reboot, and a remake. To quote Apocalypse Now, you need wings to stay above it all. So, on this podcast, as part of Phil's Look at the Movies, we're going to talk about this, and in particular try, and it will require all our effort, even yours, Neil, to address these questions. Are all sequels bad? Are all remakes bad? And how the hell do you tell the difference between a sequel, a reboot, or a remake? Well, I'm always hearing people say that remakes are bad and that they shouldn't be allowed, that all sequels are devoid of originality. That one maybe from you, Jeff. Yep. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and that's what I thought we could talk about because one of the things that struck me is in this new golden age of television, everyone waits with bated breath for a new season of a TV show but then complains that when it comes to films that sequels are unoriginal. So why is it when Mindhunter apparently isn't going to have a season three, everyone's devastated, that if somebody says they're going to make a sequel to a film, they're like, how dare they? That's true. It's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Having binge-watched season two of Sex Education, I can't really complain, can I? So let's make this as easy as possible. And as much as possible, let's use 2019 as a benchmark. So let's start with sequels. And immediately I'm going to throw out that benchmark and find out where these damn things came from. Is that lazy writing or what? (laughs) So what's the history of sequels and how did we get to last year where one was coming out almost every week and only three weeks in the year we didn't have a sequel, reboot or remake at the top of the charts? Let's look a little bit. I mean, mainly seemed to come out in the 70s. But what do you say makes a good sequel? I don't think there's a a definitive answer to that. I think the main thing is, do they actually have a new interesting story to explore with either the scenario or characters rather than just it be about the money, which I think is what you sometimes think, Jeff. I think if it extends the story, takes the characters you've known and, and enjoyed in the first one and then extends that, but doesn't, reference back too much so it is its own complete story and to me uh, empire strikes back you know you took all the characters but you threw them in a completely new environment and the film went off in a completely different direction i thought that was a perfect sequel i'd probably say just off the top of my head godfather 2 alien i thought was fantastic but aliens took one character in a very, very different... Well, two characters in a very different direction. Wasn't a better film, though. I enjoyed it. It was sort of space cowboys with a monster, but it was really, really good. That's another thing, Jeff, is 
does the sequel have to be better or does it just have to be good in its own right? No, yeah, we, can, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll come on to that. You're right. For me, it's, it's kind of the difference between Toy Story 2 and Cars 2. And one's a money-making exercise and the other one is a genuine attempt to expand on a, on a particularly good storyline and make the characters that are there extend. It has to be a good film in its own right, maybe is the uh, the key to it. I'm going to shock you now because oh. what you said, you created, and I used, as you know, I hate the word universe, but let's throw <laughs> that in for this. So Alien and Aliens, and, yeah, they took it in a completely different direction. Yeah. Well, that's no different to Cars. The sequel to Cars took it in a completely different direction. Yeah, but Cars was crap, and then Cars well, 2 was even worse. No, was crapper. Cars, crapper. Cars is all right. I think the original Cars is all right. But don't you think it took it in a different... If we took in an Alien and Aliens, yeah. Cars 2 took it in a very different direction. I'm not saying it's any good. Okay, try Planes and Planes 2. Oh, no, play, no, actually, no. That's worse and worse. That's dumb and dumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that what Neil just said is, is I think it's a really good example in that, I mean, obviously you can agree, disagree on the cars bit. But when you look at Toy Story and Toy Story 2, I think Toy Story 2 is arguably better film. Mm. Or as good. As good, yeah. I think Toy Story 3 is where, funny if we're talking the sequels, that's where it really takes off. It becomes something completely different. You've got a list of great sequels, Phil, and I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing this list because I'm sure (laughs) I'll agree with them all. I'm sure that you will not agree with them all, but I... I, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through together I, I tried to be sort of quite diverse for throw different sort of things in and I threw some films in but I know you definitely will love so I was going to say one of the best films of all time as far as I'm concerned it is a sequel and that's Godfather Part 2 yep, yep in that you got a source material which was a pulp fiction sort of book and he expanded it to become this massive political trope in the sequel I don't think I've yet to end, come across anybody that doesn't say The Godfather Two isn't a better film than Godfather One. Well, that's the benefit, isn't it, of the of the sequel? Sometimes is that it it's already set up the characters, so you don't need to do that bit. You can do make a much more r- r- rounded. And I think film. following up on what Jeff was saying, sometimes with a sequel, it lets it all breathe. So the original film, they're trying to get something new out. They're focusing really hard on the central core thing of that film. It's a huge hit or it's a massive success. And then people can step back and go, okay, they've made the money and the, you know they can take it in different directions and it allows there's, the yeah, thing to breathe. There's two ways you can go with the sequel. And I know we're jumping about now what we're doing, but there's two ways. One, you can essentially recreate the film that came before it. Yes, a money-making one. Or you can look to expand it. Now, Phil, you've got some other examples there. The Empire Strikes Back, yep. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <coughs> Rocky, Rocky II, Creed, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Terminator 2, Aliens, um, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, Blade Runner 2049. And the list does go on. And then I even got to thinking about Bond. I think to some extent is reboots, sequels, and kind of serialization. Because if you think every time they have a new Bond, they kind of reboot it. And the Daniel Craig Bonds actually are kind of direct sequels to each other because the plot actually does pick up. Whereas like the Sean Connery, Roger Moore Bonds are very much just serial, here's another story. 
I don't know, because at least the Connery Bonds had a run-in villain through it, even in Doctor No. So did Craig. He went up the levels, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. But, but when Connery came in, they brought in Blofeld. Yeah, the Roger Moore ones really didn't. They were all essentially remaking it. And I think also Brosnan, and as much as I hate to say it, the best Bond of all, Mr Dalton, his couple, yeah, stand alone. But I've got to be honest... I don't agree with a lot of that list, Phil. I know you're shocked by that. You put Blade Runner 2049 in it. Yeah, I love Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. It's you a masterpiece, Jeff. And it's, as I, I said to you before, it's too good for you. That's the problem. You're just not up to realising the brilliance of it. You know, maybe, you know, you could watch it a couple of hundred times and it might get through to you, but I doubt it. Yeah. I maybe, it, maybe it's a Welsh thing. I you just know? don't think you get it. <laughs> so, I mean, in that list, you can't. So you can't argue with Empire Strikes Back. No, I don't. Empire, I mean, uh, Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars film. Uh, I have any no- of the Indiana Jones. You can't argue that the sequels of Indiana Jones aren't mm-hmm. good. I can. Uh, they all can't. went downhill after the first one because the mistake they made in Raiders was killing off the main villain. Yeah, but again, like Indiana Jones feels almost like a serial. But I do think the big mistake they made was killing off. That villain, really, Paul Freeman, yeah, because you had this this thing going on between these two guys, and it never reoccurred. Whereas, if you look at a lot of the movie serials, take Flash Gordon for example, it's Flash against Ming, Ming the Merciless, Merciless yeah, yeah, and Ming always seems to be killed, but he always comes back. Now, I'm not saying that they are good, but you have this level of consistency, and it's always one up in itself. You never had that with Indiana Jones. You know, it, they did the first one. I just think. Each one has progressively got worse. I like The Last Crusade. I like the first one and The Last Crusade. I wasn't too fussed on the one in the middle. Okay, not Golden Skull then. Oh, God, Crystal no. Skull, oh, Crystal sorry. Skull. No, no, no it's terrible. so bad. It should never have happened. I have some like the Crystal Skull. I know I'm in the minority, but I enjoyed it. As uh, your guilty pleasure, is it? <laughs> yeah. You were high on drugs at the time. Yeah, so, it must be something. Uh, you so, fall off your bike and suddenly start mainlining neurofen and uh, paracetamol, <laughs> did you? Now, Rocky, I would say there is a sequel that's actually better than the original, but I would say that's Rocky Balboa. Well, the thing is with Rocky, I think everyone's got a different opinion. So I think the best Rocky film is actually, well, the best Rocky sequel is actually Creed, in my opinion. But I know plenty of people my age absolutely absolutely idolised 4. I think 4 is the one with the Russian, but the yeah. one that Creed 2 sort of sequels. Yeah. Basically, people my sort of age think that Rocky 4 is the greatest, as far as I can tell. But I think Rocky 2 and Creed are probably the best ones. You know, they've all got something interesting sort of about them. Apart from Rocky 5. Apart from Rocky 5. No one likes Rocky Nobody 5. likes Rocky 5. So what is it? What is it that Rocky 2 and Rocky 4 do right that Rocky Five didn't. So Rocky Two showed him to be a winner, whereas Rocky One he lost technically. Yeah, he did lose. So, but in Rocky Two it shows a winner, so they, it knew what the audience wanted. Rocky Four, like First Blood Two, came out of that time where Reagan was against the Russians, and you know the the Afghanistan thing was in full force, and they connected with an America at that time very much against Russia. It really found its home with it. I don't think there's anything in Rocky Four as such. I think it's an empty film, personally. But that said, each of the first four Rocky films, when I saw them in the cinema, people stood up and cheered. 
And I've never seen that in any other film. Definitely something there. But from what you're saying, Rocky II's just fan service. To me, it was because it brought that that winning thing around it. Uh, funny enough, of of the first four sequels, Rocky Three, I thought was really. I love the first Rocky, and I, I think Rocky Three is good. There was a whole thing when he's devising the script for Rocky Three. He was going to go through a divorce with the Talia Shia character, and reviewers are saying after, I'm "Glad you didn't, because that would really put us through it." In the end, he kills her off with cancer, but off screen. But that's many years later. Here's the thing on sequels where you connect with the characters. I think they're all bollocks, Rocky. <laughs> Absolute rubbish. You've seen the first That's one, then, enough. have you? Never? Yeah, yeah, I've seen all of them. I haven't seen Creed. Okay, so you didn't... Let me just get this right, then. You didn't like them. They're all bollocks, but you watched every one of them. Yeah, I watched every one, yeah. Why is that? Because well, forever on TV. There's many I watched channels. them because I was right. You want to see if there's another one that actually is any good. Well, Rocky Balboa, ever, ever the optimist. Yeah, ever the optimist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, surely and, there'll and be Creed another is, one. Creed is good. Creed two is good. But I, mean, I, I think haven't seen re- those two. I think the reason Creed works is because it's taking some of the original characters out of Rocky. It's set in the. I know you hate the word. It's set in the Rocky universe, but it's a very different film. I disagree. The whole thing with Rocky is adversity and Creed. He's battling cancer. That's a really difficult thing to do for essentially what's been a superhero. I think the more important story for Creed is that you've got a young man who's trying to find his place in the world. That's the story that connects me more than Rocky's got cancer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, I mean, what you're saying about Rocky Four, the people of my generation completely, that doesn't resonate at all because... I was four years old when Rocky Four came out. I've literally just looked it up whilst um, we were chatting there. But the whole Cold War thing and the Reagan thing, that just completely passed me by. When I was watching it, it was on probably on TV or on VHS. I was probably about 12. I didn't know anything about the Cold War at that point. Sheltered and innocent. And it was just about Guy loses his friend, loses, fights back and sort of against all odds, you know, is a winner. And it's just, Cheesy goodness. It's one Terminator against another. I think it it lost it all, I I think, by that stage, personally. But then I I can understand where you're coming from. You would have seen it very different to me because I grew up, you know, I was 77, so I was 18 when I saw the first Rocky when that came out in the UK. I saw them very differently. At this point, Phil, you're allowed to say, okay, boomer. (laughs) But... But one thing with the list that Phil's put together there, which I think is a really good list, whether we agree with them or not, they are strong sequels. Mm. They've either been financially successful or critically successful. But let's look at this in 2019. We've got sequelitis now. Has it gone too far? And was there anything good that came out in 2019? I thought the best sequels last year were Avengers Endgame, Don't Say Anything, Jeff, and It Chapter 2. Rocky Four is looking better already, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) And the worst ones, and again, the first one I'm going to say, Jeff, absolutely screwed me on. So Rambo Last Blood, which I thought was pretty dire. And the one that fits Neil's description earlier is Jumanji The Next Level. I really liked Jumanji. I thought it was really fun. Dwayne Johnson's got a lot of charisma, really, really good, enjoyable family film. Jumanji The Next Level, they had nothing new to say. They just had to try and shoehorn the characters back in. And they did 
couple of extra characters, the classic sequel thing where I had a couple of extra characters. The joke's not funny and three quarters of the way through they go, how can we undo this so we can get the rock actually back so that the rock can be funny again as opposed to not funny for most of the film. Okay. You're right. I actually disagree with all four examples you've given there. Um, I've said many times about Avengers Endgame, uh, how I wish it is, but it isn't. It Chapter 2 is one that disappoints me the most because by breaking the structure into two films and not following the structure of the book, they had a huge issue of how to resolve that in the second film, of how to reconnect them with Derry. It does it in a way that invents something that, for me, just goes on far too long. You could have cut most of that out, and I think I started to lose it a bit. And I could understand in part why they did it. They kept Pennywise looking like Pennywise when he becomes the giant spider, but I think that lost something as well. Jumanji, the next level, on the other hand, I liked the way it introduced older characters and introduced that other story into it. The baboon sequence, I thought, was tremendous, really exciting. They did find a way to get it back to the rock, but I would have said... It's on a par with the last Jumanji. It's fun. Rambo Last Blood, plenty to say on that in an upcoming podcast. We're we'll leaving for that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then. Yeah, I think you're right. I, but I, but you're Phil, right. is It Chapter 2 really a sequel? Is is it not just the It book chopped in two? And you got the, the first part and the second part. Is it like The Lord of the Rings? They're not sequels. That's one story. The argument there, I guess, is, is well, I was going to say, the argument there really is about are we going to start discussing how they made them? Because... Lord of the Rings, they are sequels, but because they filmed them all together as one thing, then that gives them a slightly different feel. But it was filmed completely separately, two separate stories. And in part, probably because they weren't convinced that the first one would make any money. So if it didn't, at least they didn't have it left on a cliffhanger. And and The Hobbit even muddies that water even yeah. more, doesn't it? Yeah. Three, oh, no, no, the, no, we don't talk about the Hobbit. Yeah, no. just, it, it could have been, I, I think it should have been four films. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that would really have improved it, yeah. So, why are there so many sequels? Money. We're not allowed to say it, but it's money. Yeah, it's yeah, a safe I mean, bet. It's our fault, though, isn't it, really? When you think about it, yes, it's money, right? So, they have to, the people who are putting their money down on what film should we make, they're thinking, okay, we have to have key commercial sort of ingredient and we've got an installed fan base, we're definitely going to get this amount of profit because it's easier to market. But it's our fault as consumers because what happens is box office, essentially opening weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, dead important. If you don't go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because on Monday, they're then going to look and go, who went to the cinema and what film are we keeping and what are we not? And people flood to go and see the sequels, regardless of whether they go, oh, it was rubbish, blah, blah, blah. But they don't actually go and watch original films. And I'm actually guilty of that as well, because the day that I go to the cinema is Monday night, by which point they've already counted that hardly anyone went to see that quirky little weird indie film that I think's great. That's gone next week and Star Wars is in 18 screens. So I'm glad to hear that it's all your fault then, Phil. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ignoring what was top this week, but the weekend before was 1917, 
which is really good, and it's doing well. Unfortunately, that bad boys nonsense, that's not a good start to where we are this year, being bad boys for life. Like, that's really threatening more than anything else. What would you say are the sequels coming this year that you might be looking forward to? Top Gun Maverick. I don't know when Top Gun came out, but basically when I I would have been five, it would be another Rocky Four scenario where it would have been on ITV on like Sunday night and then everyone would have been talking about it on Monday morning at school. Seriously, people my age, Rocky Four, Top Gun, mythical films. They're amazing. And watching that trailer with Tom Cruise stupidly riding a motorcycle without a helmet looks amazing. Phil, you've got words of advice for him after last weekend on that. (laughs) You absolutely wear helmets, people. Yeah, wear at all times. Speaking of helmets... Neil, what sequels? <laughs> <laughs> what sequels oh, wait a you? minute, that's not funny. <laughs> what sequels are you, are you looking coming? forward to? Did he just call you a bell end? Yeah, he yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, that's not charming. Not, not, uh, you did laugh. That yeah, that's a good point. Respect at the joke. I'm looking forward to Bill and Ted, although, of course, that's going to be a little weird with them so old. But uh, no, that's one I'm looking forward to. And that's it, um, is that? And there's loads of others, of course there are. But I think of, that, of all of them, I think probably the uh, Bill and Ted. I do love those films. Obviously James Bond, but... Oh, um, of course, Bond. That's soon as well, isn't it? That is soon. April 2nd. Yeah, so I'll be looking forward to that. City World are trying to cancel all holidays for staff at the moment doing that. I'll tell you what, actually, this, is, this just popped into my head whilst we talk about this. This is another reason why sequels are really easy film studios because we can talk about a sequel six months eight months a year before it comes out because it's really easy to market and Mm. we go okay Top Gun everyone knows what Top Gun is we can talk about Top Gun and tease it we don't even have to have any footage we can just tease it here and everyone will be excited about that and it's a year away just think of 1917 which is a really good original film a year ago they would have said, oh, Sam Mendes is making a war film. But it wouldn't have been as easy to kind of market and get people buzzing and thinking about. Because, yes, Sam Mendes is the, the director and it's a war film, but it's not as easy as going Top Gun 2, guys. Yeah, but in the same respect, they didn't throw as much money as 1917 as they threw on Top Gun 2. And by, yeah, by and that again is because that they go, okay, well, Top Gun, we think that's installed fan base. We could, we're going to make the money. It's, a, it's an easier gamble. But I've seen two trailers for Top Gun 2, and I've still no idea what the plot no, is. I have no idea what the plot is now either, no. It looks exciting, yeah. but, yeah, there's no, it uh, looks no story. Right, Graham, let's yet. not go on about it. No. <laughs> yeah, it looks exciting. First one wasn't that great. Um, I, I'm not a big what, fan. What, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm not a big fan. <laughs> you are not going to be my wingman, <laughs> And also on a sequel, you don't have to do casting, pretty much, unless there's new characters or there's changes. Well, with- and you don't have to, to, to work out what costumes they're going to wear or anything like that. That's already preordained, isn't it? Well, not really. With Top Gun, you, you would have to, because that film is almost 35 years old. Well, Quiet Place 2... <laughs> Oh, yes, ah, no, they actually, yes. Ah, yeah. well, yeah, I'm a bit worried. Actually, the only the sequel I am most looking forward to, which will surprise all of you... Peter Rabbit 2. Cats 2. I am looking forward to Peter Rabbit 2. No, but you're for different, not. Yes, I am, because a lot of it's filmed in Gloucestershire. Wonder Woman 84, because oh, yeah. I really Good enjoyed point. the first yeah. one. Yeah, 84, 
Phil would have been four then. So three. Yeah, three. <laughs> we we've got the memories of that time. Phil hasn't. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I'll tell you what though that the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 looks amazing. That's SpongeBob two, three. You watch them all, Neil. Death on the Nile is coming out later this year. There's another one that's wound me up as well, due to the fact you've done Murder <laughs> in the Orient Express, you've built it up, you've got all those Christie books to go for. What shall we go for? One we've made before. Yeah. Pillocks. Um, again, that's, 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 that's probably part of the argument, isn't it? Because, okay, think of, um, you know, what is it that people know and what is it that people sort of remember and have a nostalgia for. Yeah, but you, there's so many others. You could do Death in the Clouds, One, Two, Buckle My Shoe, which are great Hercule Poirot stories, mm. and I think much more than Death on the Nile. Yeah. I actually did work the killer out in Death on the Nile as well before I even saw it. It's one of the few I ever did. Most of them, I, I never get it right with Christie. Really? Inundated with sequels. But let me tell you about something else we're inundated with as well. Remakes. And again, let's use 2019 as a benchmark. Cold Pursuit, remake of Order of Disappearance. What Men Want, remake of What <laughs> Women Want. Alicia or Attila, Battle Alita. Angel. That's it, thank you. Alita. Alita, sorry. Dumbo, The Lion King, Aladdin, The Hustle and Child's Play. And it just goes on. I mean, again, there's a history of remakes. Remakes have been with us all through cinema. Yeah. Little, well, Little Women. How many times have Little Women been God, remade? Quite a few. Yeah. Quite a few. I, think, I think eight films and three TV series when I was looking up around Boxing Day when I was going through a film. And I, I met a lady at the Little Women screening who'd seen everything. She'd seen all of the films and all of the TV series, and she thought that this one was the best. Christmas Carol. How many times has that been done? Well, once the Muppets did it, it that was it. That's the classic. And <laughs> we've crashed and burned. We're in Blade Runner 2049 territory again. What was the, the Muppets Christmas Carol? That's brilliant. Oh, I yeah. think it's, yeah, but it's not as good as Alistair Sims' 1951 <gasps> oh, British movie. Over and over again. <sighs> Keep going. It's like saying... It's a Wonderful Life is as good as the 1973 TV remake when they put a woman in instead of James Stewart. I haven't seen it. Haven't you? Don't worry, I have. I've suffered for you. <laughs> Lord. You've got some other titles on this, haven't you, Phil? Some classics. I can't admit to having seen these, but I was looking to try and find the earliest example of remakes. Originally, the one I thought of was Ben-Hur, so I double-checked, and that was 19. 25 and 1969. I found one earlier than that called The Squaw Man, which was made originally in 1914 and then remade in 1980. Graham, you're the oldest. Do you remember it? Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No. Strangely uh, enough, no. I was out fighting in the war then in 1914, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're in your little gaming thing with a camera behind you. That's it, yeah. It's not a new thing, is what we're saying. It really is gathering speed, though, isn't it? I don't know. I'd need to see some statistical analysis on that, I think, Jeff, because I, I honestly think it's one of those things where we've got so much media and so much ability to complain about things and hashtags and trending and all the rest of it that actually I'm not convinced it's just that it's easier to complain and hear about it. Okay. Fact checking, Neil, what remakes we got coming this year? I mean, Disney must be doing just about everything as a remake. They're doing Mulan. Oh, yeah, Mulan. It's a remake. 
Uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghost. Yeah, another Ghost. Uh, ah, no, Phil. Is a that is that sequel. a sequel? Yeah, is that, I think is a sequel yeah. to the original two. Possibly a little bit of a reboot in there. Maybe some new characters they're going to introduce. Doolittle. That's a remake. Hansel yeah, and Gretel, reason. The Grudge. Uh, the Grudge is a remake. No, it's not actually. No. No, it's part remake, but part sequel as well. It does acknowledge all the other films in the series. Well, I'll have to bow to your horror knowledge because I wouldn't go and watch it. Are oh, you not coming with me on Sunday? No. Okay. <laughs> Secret Garden. Secret Garden's a remake. Emma. And that's been remade quite a few times. Emma's uh, remade a few times. The Witches. The Witches. Yeah, sequel. Uh, remake, yeah. Black Beauty. Remake. Black seems... Beauty's been done again. I think so. Do you know that was banned in South Africa, that book? I mean, this is no word of a lie now. Do you know that? <laughs> I think it is. Because of the title. Yes. Don't quote me on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's supposed to be hitting theatres in 2020. Uh, Dune? Oh, yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is made by Denis Villeneuve, so it must be amazing. Must be good, uh, yes. I, yeah, actually, I'm, this is one I, I am looking forward to because Dune is a book that doesn't deal with emotion and we've got a director who doesn't know how to handle emotion. So <laughs> I think that it could be... What worries me about it is I've heard he's only filmed half the story and they've no plans to film the second half unless this is a hit. Do you mean as in some of Frank Herbert's sequels or do you mean half of the original book? My understanding is they've only filmed half of the original book. Because it's such okay. a long, complex story, you can't do it all in one film. Yeah, a lot of remakes. But again, what's the reason? Why are we constantly watching remakes if we've got one and we quite like it? What's the impetus to go back and watch something, another version of it? Is it just because it's a new audience? I mean, I, I mean, Neil and I didn't like The Lion King, but all the kids in the cinema loved it. I think remakes are the one that people get most annoyed by, isn't it? Because... So people sort of say, oh, sequel's not original and what have you, but remakes, people get really upset by like, And I find it odd because I just think, why shouldn't it be allowed? Because you can think of something like the, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, Brian De Palma's Scarface. Nobody remembers the originals. I do, Phil. Maybe Jeff. Yeah. And the original of The Thing though. is better than Carpenter, I'll tell you that now. No. I guess to a degree, means that there's more discourse available in terms of that subject. Because I, I get, to some extent, you remake something very, very soon after, then there's, I guess that becomes difficult because it's too fresh in people's memories. And if you try to remake something that's absolutely beloved and revered, then maybe why would you? Because if it's already really good. But if there's a film that has interesting facets but doesn't quite get off the ground or is so old or there's a new idea or new spin on it I think remakes can be really good and the other bit where I think remakes really figure in you've already discussed this in a different podcast is foreign language films that people to an extent don't want to watch films with subtitles so you get Neil's just gone white for you saying that yeah, I mean, I, I agree, though. It's like, I, I would rather watch... If the film is in a foreign language, I would rather read subtitles because I think that hearing the original voice cast is a much better experience because 
you can see on their face and the way that they say the words, you can see that emotion. If it's overdubbed, it's just weird. I'd rather just read it. Films like The Departed, there'll probably be a lot of people who don't know that that's a remake. Yeah, well, a drag girl with Dragon Tattoo, L Boy, um, talented Mr. Ripley was a remake yep. of, a, and of a foreign language film. Magnificent Seven, Alita, obviously, Let Me In. Um, Twelve Monkeys was a remake of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, let's, if we we'll, go into hold, various, hold various on detail. Twelve Monkeys a minute. We'll come back to that in a minute because that's a very special there case. Are, there are more than you'd more than you'd but imagine. I want to unpick something Phil said there where it doesn't quite get off the ground and when it's really old. And I really like the the view of remaking something that doesn't work the first time around. Mm. Remake it and fix the problems. Yeah. Bedtime stories to dirty, rotten scoundrels is the classic on this. Bedtime stories yeah. doesn't work. Mm. David Niven and Marlon Brando. There's a pair in. <laughs> but you bring in Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Martin, yeah. And that works. Yeah. Hustle less so, ironically, you know, now, now it's worked, we'll remake it again. So that I really do like. And Doolittle is an interesting one because I'd forgotten until Phil mentioned this to me the other day about the fact that there was the Eddie Murphy film. And I keep thinking back to the Rex Harrison mega disaster of the 60s. When I first saw it, I thought yeah. it was magical, no, but no, no, then I fine. was very small. But there are so many films that don't work and it would be interesting to go back and do those. Older films is different. Now, Scarface is an interesting point. I do think the Palmer Scarface is the better of the two films, but there's stuff in the Paul Mooney film, which I think was directed by Howard Hawks, the original 1932 yeah. Scarface. Was it Howard Hawks? It's Hawks or Hughes. It's one of them. No, I think it's Hawks. Yeah, I think it's Hawks. What's interesting is the incest subplot in the 84 version is not as pronounced as it is in the original 1932 wow. version. That is really strange. But then there's other films of that period, like King Kong. How many times they've tried to, uh, to do King Kong, and it's never come close to the 1933 version? Yeah, even Jackson tried it and couldn't get it. No, Jackson balls it up because the failings that they corrected in the 33 version, they took out scenes because they were too long. He put all them back in, and his thing went on forever. So I think that's an interesting, it's interesting one. Because, yeah, we talked about Lord of the Rings earlier as well, and that, I guess, technically is a remake. But then you get into that situation of, well, it's not a remake, it's just a new telling of the original source material, a la True Grit from the Coens recently. Yeah, although there is still a lot in True Grit that, sort of follows over from the 69 version into the Coen Brothers version. But Lord of the Rings is an interesting point because at that time in the 70s, and uh, and it's funny, before he died, Tolkien said uh, he'd never wanted it made as an animated film. Well, not need to get that. The Hobbit was made as an animated film in 77 for American TV. And then Batchy did Lord of the Rings. It he did a version of it. terrible. I went to see it the first day it opened at the cinema and... Oh, man, I was so cross. This was this book I'd loved, and I came out and I just thought, that happened, and I'll never get those hours back. And it was terrible. And again, it was only half a film. With The Lord of the Rings one, again, I had a different perspective because it was the first time that I got to see this book that I loved on screen. To me, it was amazing. I've watched it since, and it's, yeah, it's, really flawed and has its problems and it doesn't even seem if I recall it doesn't even really get past 
towards the end of the Fellowship of the Ring of it. I, I can't really remember, but I remember like just seeing it as a kid and thinking like, wow, this is what I've been reading. The thing about Tolkien is it's very grounded, that everything's dirty and scruffy and very real and visceral. And this Disneyfied, it was like the Seven Dwarfs rather than The Hobbit. It just seemed to get the tone all wrong for me. And I was really nervous when I went to see the Jackson one. After about five minutes, my wife turned to me and says, I think you can breathe now, because I was so tense thinking they're going to screw this up. If we look at this year and what we're looking forward to, I I would say I'd have to be looking forward to this new version of Dune, because I do think, as much as I don't rate Villeneuve as a... I think he's a good technical director. I don't think he's a good emotional director. I think this is the perfect match for him. I think what you did there, Jeff, is you uh, you got confused because you called it a reboot, but it's a remake. A remake, sorry. I got confused. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking ahead. I was reading down there. Yeah, sorry, the remake of Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one, Phil. Well spotted. So what are you looking forward to in remakes this year then, Phil? There wasn't anything past Dune, really, just because I think Denis Villeneuve is a fantastic filmmaker, and as Graham and I said earlier, we thought Blade Runner 2049 was a masterpiece. So I love Blade Runner, and I was really nervous about Blade Runner 2049. I thought it was phenomenal. So I just really hope that Villeneuve does something similar. He's recently announced he'd like to go back to that world of Blade Runner 2049. Do a TV show, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Why? Haven't you destroyed it enough already? Oh, get over it. He said specifically into that world, but not a direct sequel. He just wants to explore the universe of it. There's that word again, Jeff, yeah, that universe. you love so much. And- the the <laughs> other thing that I'm makes me less nervous about uh, Villeneuve's version of Dune is that some of the sets in 2049 could be put into Dune because they look, they've got that strange lighting and that weird look and the, especially the room with, which had the, the sort of lake in it and they were sat on the platform in the middle. That would work brilliantly in Dune as a show of wealth. I'm so wealthy I can have all this water. And, you know, the more you think about the set design, it would work on, on a Dune set and I hope he takes some of that aesthetic into the Dune film. But I'm really looking forward to it. Anything else, uh, you two guys? Anything you're looking forward to in Mulan? I am looking forward. to. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, because though I though I think the Disney version, uh, the original, um, actually was very good. It was very good and had a great music score by the legendary Jerry Goldsmith. Do you know what would be amazing with Mulan? Is my understanding is they're going to try and do like the the fighting scenes are going to be a bit Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That would be brilliant. I don't, I don't know if it's true or whether I dread this, but I'm sure I've read it. <laughs> Eddie Murphy back as the dragon? Uh, I have no idea. I doubt it. I doubt there's a dragon in it based on the trailer. It looks much more grounded. Yeah, it does, actually. Right. That's remakes then. Reboots. So, Phil, what the hell is a reboot? It's a remake that has a nod to the original and doesn't ignore its existence. It just is a different story. The best example recently, I think, is Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man. If you think of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is a reboot, and it has like occasional kind of nods to it. That's what I think. (laughs) It's muddy, 
Yeah, see, now I would have said, while we're using these sort of characters, that that is a remake because you see him getting bitten by the spider all over again. Whereas with Tom, I can't act Holland, you never see him go through that. He's already got those powers. So that would be a reboot, wouldn't it? That would be one way of telling the difference. I consider Andrew Garfield to be a reboot because it's essentially the same main character, the same story for him, but like it's almost like a serial thing in that they don't retread the same villains and stories. Okay. There is another problem using this Spider-Man analogy that really does concern me and probably the other two here with me. When it started, Aunt May was older than us. Now she's younger than us. <laughs> and she's really hot. Yeah, yeah you said that right, the first one. No, not the first one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Sorry, the other one I'd say, Jack Ryan. Jack mm. Ryan. Is that is that reboots? Because I think how many people play Jack Ryan now? So we had Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Kind of um, character. Yeah, and then Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford took over. And then it, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Affleck. Now um, you've got Krasinski on, um, on TV. Television. Yeah. But the f- now they're all kind of reboots, aren't they? I'm not Same sure about the first two. Because Baldwin and then Harrison Ford took it over. It, it took it over acknowledging the first one because it was a bit of a screw up, that whole story around that. Alec Baldwin was a really focused actor you know, very particular with his craft. And then he met Kim Bassinger on the set of The Marion Man, and his life sort of went downhill from there. And I think he hung out for much more money for Jack Ryan, and they just said, no, stuff it. We want somebody with more of a name. And at that point, Ford was looking for a franchise. So that's what they brought him on. So I think it was a continuation. Whereas when you get to Ben Affleck, isn't the Morgan Freeman character the one played by James Earl Jones in the others? So so James Earl Jones in the first three films has a rolling characterization. He dies off in the third, which is clear and present danger. And yes, that character is then, I think, rebooted when they get to Ben Affleck's one because it's taken at a much younger age. But they're all essentially from the novels, aren't they? Yeah, but they gutted uh... the novels, I think. Yeah, because I've read two anyway, of them. Anyway, let's move on. It's now, fairly complex, isn't it, really? Well, we're making it complex. Yeah. Well, well, like, all right, I'll make it more complex then. Terminator. <laughs> oh, God, no. We're no, not no, going, no, that's, that's, not that's going for that unsolvable. Timeline. That's yeah. like a Rubik's not Cube. Not even the makers know I that one. I, I don't know. I don't know. If, but so Terminator Dark Fate, that was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? It's the sequel to Terminator 1 and 2, and it ignored 3, 4, and 5 in terms of 3, 4, and 5 are essentially either erased or Terminator Dark Fate is rebooting the franchise by saying, ignore 3, 4, and 5, we're rebooting those, and we're <laughs> sequeling 1 and 2. That's not helping. That's but like a hot five is essentially 5 is a reboot as well, though, Phil, because 5 ignores yeah, Terminator yeah. 2. The 5 was trying to be a prequel, wasn't it? Yeah, a prequel and a sequel. Rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> right, so reboots. What, let's, let's make it simple now to finish this off then. What reboots work for you? Spider-Man. Probably the easiest example, surely. But what about this Spider-Man into the Spider-Universe, whatever? Spider-Man into the verse, into the Spider-Verse, I think is an excellent one, yeah. 
that is that really a reboot? Good. Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse is the main character is Miles Morales, which is a different alternate universe to Peter Parker, which is what all the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland Spider-Mans are. And even then they play with that universe because Miles Morales starts in Peter Parker's universe because he goes to the funeral, but then he gets sucked across into a different dimension. I love it. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant film, but I, God knows how I would classify it. It's really, really good. That's how we should classify it. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with it. that. Yeah. Oh, it's really well worth watching. We had two films last year that fall into this. Are they reboots? Are they sequels? In Men in Black International and Charlie's Angels, because sort of sequels, because they reference the other films, but more reboots because they just completely like change the cast and do a different story. And both equally crap. Well, I've just had a, had a quick look online and had a, a look at reboots. Um, my probably best one, I think, is uh, Batman Begins. Rebooted the yeah. whole thing with Batman and started it again from beginning. I thought that was excellent. And the whole three films, brilliant. Yeah, I'd agree. But Star Trek, I rebooted it. I thought, yeah, that, well, sorry. maybe it wasn't that Hang good. on, J.J. Abrams, moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like the J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did enjoy them. <laughs> I did enjoy them. Do you think there's something to say for every time you get a new actor as James Bond, James Bond is rebooted? Yeah, and mm, when he become yeah. when he becomes a woman, that will definitely be a reboot. It won't yeah. happen because they've already said it. The producers have actually gone into print this week and said James Bond will never be a woman. Yeah, right. We'll see how that goes. But if you want a, a spy female agent, do the sequel to Atomic Blonde. First one was really good. Yeah, I'd like, like to that. see more of that character. It's an original character. It's female. It's really good. I get myself into trouble on this argument because I like to play devil's advocate, but I don't understand why everyone gets so hung up over who is playing a role. Um, exactly. This whole thing of you're not allowed a woman to play that role because it's a male role. Well, the only reason it's a male role is because men have had like rule of the roost for the last thousand years, whatever, etc. So all those roles were made for and created for men. So therefore, we're saying, well, you're not allowed to have those because we've basically been in charge for all this time, so you're not allowed. And I think that that's like speaking from a place of privilege rather than sort of saying, well, actually, let's have a think about this. And the only reason I say that is because coming back to what we just said is the reason that there's sequels and remakes and all that sort of stuff is because there's an installed fan base and it's easier for the studios to make money. So they And the fan base are looking for them and the fan base like to see them. Yeah, and the people yeah, saying about and it, and it is a money making. You preclude you preclude women and people yes. of color yes. from those roles. No, absolutely, and it is, and that's why I think we play devil's advocate on that. Right? Well, why not? Because it very, works so well with the Dark Tower, and it's very difficult to play a devil's advocate with Jeff. Yeah, and that's just picking one example. So you said Atomic Blonde was really, really good, yes. and they should have another sequel. To that. And I completely agree. Atomic Blonde is a brilliant film. And this is the bit that frustrates me is that it doesn't have an installed fan base. It didn't get as much marketing. It didn't get as big a budget. Nobody really saw it. 
I had a friend actually send me a message literally a couple of days ago going, oh, I've just watched Atomic Blonde. That's a really, really good film. I've never heard of it before. Um, now, it, it did right, all right. They're just, talking of a sequel. It's a, it's a spy film that if it had the oomph of Bond in the title, millions and millions of people would have seen it and it, everyone would be raving about how great it was. And, and its budget and it, would have been five times as much. One of the reasons they won't get the return back is they'd have to decrease the certificate on Atomic Blonde to get it down to a to a twelve A, and that would that would undermine that film to start off with because it doesn't work like that. No, it's like Kingsman. Kingsman get much smaller budgets than Bond. The reason being is because they're higher certificates. Yeah. So and and that would be part of the reason for this. But King, the new Kingsman's got a much bigger bu- budget than the previous two because they are actually making a lot of money. Do we so know that? I don't know that. I'd yeah, have to check I think that. I read that. Okay. I'm sure I read that, that they'd actually got quite a, an increase in budget this time because it's seen as a successful franchise. They've had two now and they've both done very, very well. And I think the same would be with Atomic Blonde if they, they built that app. I mean, another one I'd like to see in Charlie's Tehran as well is an offshoot of her character from Mad Max Fury Road. I'd love to see a film about that character and where and where she went. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Moving on. Well, there's much, much more we can say, but I think let's hold it there because I think this has been quite an interesting and at times quite a controversial discussion. In a we, good way. Which we disagree on wholeheartedly. You know, we're going to hold it there, and I think everybody's got their opinions on what they think is a, you know, a remake, a reboot, or a sequel, and we'd love to hear your views on that. And Phil would certainly like to hear your views. You could direct it at Phil rather than us if you want, <laughs> particularly if you're going to complain. But, what, you mean somebody complaining on Twitter? No, we that get would a few. never happen. Yeah, we get a few. But most people say in... They're really good, especially that Jeff guy. We love him. Um, <laughs> but I no, I think that I think this is a well chosen topic, Phil. I think there's more to come out of this. It'll be interesting to see what the feedback is, and we may come back and revisit this, particularly as we go through 2020. So, Phil, yeah. have you Thanks any last words it. before we close off? No, I was going to say um, I'd be interested to hear from viewers what they think are the best remake sequels or whether they think that there are certain films that are you know, completely off, off limits. No, I think that's fair. And uh, again, yeah, we'd love to hear from people. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Yeah. See you next month, Phil. Cheers, Phil. Thank Cheers, you. Phil. Yeah. Thank you. To make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe to At The Flicks at our website, attheflicks.uk. And if possible, please remember to rate and review At The Flicks wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact the team on Twitter or by email. Our contact details are also on our website, attheflicks.uk. Thanks for listening.